Hmm. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really happy to be back doing Facebook and Instagram Live. I took a couple of months off as I was uh, facilitating retreats, uh, but now I am back. <laughs> and honestly, I'll just be back for a couple of sessions here uh, as um, things are getting quite busy for me, fortunately. Um, I do have just one announcement kind of in that, uh, on that theme. Uh, very excited to announce that I'm uh, opening a summer online retreat. This is on the topic of joy, or mudita, as it's known in the Buddhist tradition. And this will be an eight-week online meditation program. And so I'll just make a little announcement here before we get into today's talk. Um, this mudita, it's called an Ocean of Joy online meditation retreat. Uh, we will be meeting twice a week. And if you're familiar with my online offerings already, um, there's been a bit of a change because I will be um, going to the New Life Foundation over in Portugal uh, to front their meditation program uh, from May 15th to July 15th, which I'm very, very excited about. See my old friends from New Life over there in Portugal. So the, the difference is in the time and the days. Uh, I will be offering this uh, eight-week retreat. We open May 22nd, and it runs till July 13th. And the meetings are on Sundays and Wednesdays afternoons, uh, East Coast time from 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's going to be 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. where I'll be in Portugal. Uh, so hopefully this time uh, alteration in the schedule might work well for some. I understand that here in Asia and Thailand that might be challenging. I think it's one or two in the morning. Uh, so um, yeah, it's always challenging to, to uh, create a program that caters to all of the time zones. And because the, the schedule at New Life is you know quite full, I will only have the opportunity to offer just that one section. So it's already filling up. Uh, I think there's four or five more spaces left. So if you're interested in signing up, please don't hesitate. Uh, send me a message through my website, suchsweetthunder.org, uh, and take this really deep dive into this beautiful, beautiful heartfelt quality of joy with us. So a little bit more about the program. Everything is done over Zoom. So this is very advantageous because many people find it challenging to commit to being in one place twice a week for two hours, right? I, I can understand that that could be quite challenging for many. And so all of the sessions are recorded and made available only to the retreat participants to maintain that container of confidentiality. But if you're interested, you could sign up. Maybe you can only make one or two or three of the live sessions and you'd like to do most of it or all of it in your own time, at your own pace. You're welcome to do that as well. Now that being said, I, I do find it's quite helpful uh, to cultivate that community. And so um, there will be a Facebook community page offered around uh, 
the, the program as well. So you'll be uh, invited to interact with your, your fellow meditators who are on the course. Uh, each session, as I mentioned earlier, two hours long. There'll be a 10-minute break. Uh, they include guided meditations, plenty of Q&A, share and discussion time. Everything that I offer, the course on joy and, and everything, my one-to-one -one sessions and all of the other courses, are offered within a trauma-sensitive framework. And so I, I'm very passionate about that. I've been certified in advanced trauma-sensitive mindfulness through David Tree Levin, uh, who's a wonderful facilitator in himself. And he's offered this program where, where we get certified in uh, offering trauma-sensitive mindfulness and meditation programs. Uh, like to make these offerings available to everyone, everyone. And in that same theme, everything that I offer is also offered within a secular voice. There's no particular religion being emphasized in any of these courses or in the one-to-one -one sessions that I offer. Now, that being said, you might notice the statues of various Buddhas behind me and most of my training is from a Buddhist background. I've trained for now 36 plus years, uh, deeply in Theravada and Mahayana Buddhism, also in Vedanta Hinduism, just a little bit, spent a few years um, studying Vedanta Hinduism. Uh, so that's my background, but I do uh, really try hard and uh, emphasize that these teachings can be practiced and uh, people can receive great benefit from these practices regardless of the walk of life, regardless of the belief, the religion, the philosophy that you might or might not adhere to. So once again, if you're interested to sign up for the course, visit the website suchsweetthunder.org or just message me through Facebook or, or email uh, chrisluard at yahoo. Okay, uh, that went on a little longer than I'd hoped, so without further ado, uh, let's do a little meditation just to arrive into the present moment, and I'll ring the bell. Maybe we'll touch in with a, with a little taste of gratitude as well, since we're working on cultivating joy. So enjoy this meditation. This will be about seven to ten minutes long. And so if you would then get into your most comfortable meditation posture, whatever that might mean for you. Meditation can really be done in, in any posture. In fact, one might consider meditation more of a, a state of mind than a particular posture. And so you could do this sitting in a chair or lying down or standing up. And if you feel that you'd like to be sitting on a meditation cushion on the floor, cross-legged, that's also fine. 
if you feel that's supportive. And so the invitation here is just to rest. If you wish, if it feels helpful, taking a deep breath here. And allowing the out breath to be a little bit slower or longer than the in breath. That slower, longer out breath often brings a sense of calm and stillness to the heart, to the body, to the mind. And while we're here resting, arriving, The invitation here is to invite the mind to rest. And just for these next few moments, letting any concerns or thoughts of the days past go. Thoughts or concerns of the upcoming days, letting all of that go as well. Recognizing that you can take up those concerns and thoughts, if you wish, after the practice. But for now, just inviting the mind to rest. And if at any point during the practice you should find you get distracted by thoughts, just know that that's normal smilingly recognizing the distraction, noting it with the word thinking, thinking, and gently returning back to the present moment experience of resting, resting. And so while we're here resting, arriving, the invitation then is to bring awareness to the feet and just noticing any sensations arising from the feet. And inviting the muscles in the feet to relax, grow soft and rest. Perhaps noticing sensations of clothing against the legs. Inviting the muscles in the legs to unwind, grow soft. You might also notice the weight of the body against the chair or cushion or mat or floor. Inviting the muscles underneath those sensations to relax, rest. You might notice the hands resting against the body or touching each other. 
the arms resting against the body. Inviting the hands and arms to relax, rest. Perhaps noticing the abdomen rising and falling with each breath. Letting any tension or stress that might be held in the abdomen soften, unwind, rest. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the back. Inviting the muscles in the back to rest relax, grow soft. Perhaps noticing how the rib cage expands and contracts with each breath. You might also notice the rising and falling of the shoulders as you inhale and exhale. Inviting the muscles in the shoulders to grow soft, rest, and unwind. And you might notice sensations arising throughout the back of the neck, the sides of the neck, and inviting the muscles in the neck to rest relax. There may be sensations arising throughout the cheeks of the face, letting any tension or stress that's held in the face go. and perhaps noticing sensations arising from the top of the head. Resting, breathing, feeling. And so while we're here resting, arriving into the present moment. The invitation here is to bring into awareness a recent experience or a memory, something you feel grateful towards. This could be something quite immediate. You might feel gratitude towards the ability to rest. Gratitude for meditation practice. Or you might feel grateful for the safety of the four walls if you're, you feel your abode is safe. Safety 
for the comfort that's being offered by the chair or the cushion. And perhaps bringing into awareness the connection you feel with a good friend and feeling gratitude for that friendship the connection you might have with a pet. Perhaps a beautiful sunset you saw recently or a while ago. I'm just taking a moment here to, to really settle on one experience, one item that you feel particularly grateful for. And taking a few moments here to really feel, what does it feel like to feel grateful? What is, what's the felt experience of gratitude? There may be a type of warmth that arises when we inquire the felt experience of gratitude. Or perhaps a softening around the heart when we bring this memory into view. Perhaps it's just a feeling of wanting to smile when you think of this pet or person or friend, partner, this good experience, this whatever it is that you feel grateful towards. And having located, discovered, or uncovered this feeling, the somatic experience of gratitude. The invitation then is to go into that experience. Really allow yourself to have it. As if you were submerging yourself in the feeling of gratitude. Much in the same way you might submerge yourself in a warm tub of water. or a swimming pool or the ocean. Inviting the felt experience of gratitude to soak in through the skin, the muscles and tendons, all the way down to the marrow of the bones. just resting in this full-bodied soak into gratitude, if you will. 
inviting this gratitude to have us as much as we have it. So in the next breath or two, we'll begin to shift away from the guided meditation and back into a conversational space. I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. Okay. So thank you for joining me in that very brief guided meditation. Uh, I always say it's going to be brief, you know, five to ten minutes, and I think we went 13 minutes there. I just get carried away. I, I love meditating. <laughs> so there you have it. I hope you enjoyed. And so uh, just moving into the topic of the day, which is joy. Or in the Buddhist tradition, it's known as mudita. There are many different translations of mudita. Uh, the most common translation is joy. Uh, sometimes it's offered as sympathetic joy. And so that's really pointing at this idea that we can uh, rejoice in the, the good fortune of others. That our heart resonates in sympathy for the joy that others are experiencing. And that's one of the qualities of joy that I'll be, I'll be exploring uh, in the eight-week course on joy that I'm offering, Sympathetic Joy. We'll be taking a dive into that. But because the definitions of joy are so broad uh, across various traditions, I'll be offering many, many different uh, angles into joy. And so very often I get kind of a, a blowback, if you will, um, from, from people who are following me. Uh, thank you for following me. <laughs> uh, but I get some questions around, well, how can we practice joy when, when things are so challenging in the world right now? And interestingly enough, I, I offered this program last year. Uh, of course, it'll be you know, different program. It's, it's very, um, the programs are very uh, dependent on what people are bringing to the, to the course. So it's always a different experience. But when I offered the program last year, I, I got the similar questions. And although the challenges were different, I found it quite, um, quite interesting that there, is, there does seem to be this kind of mindset that life is always too challenging <laughs> to cultivate joy. I think that's, that's interesting just to take note of that. And I'd just like to point out here, there was this um, a singer, and I think it was um, America's Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent, one of those. I think it was Britain's Got Talent. Uh, Nightbird, 
some of you may know of Nightbird and her story. It's quite a moving story, but you know, she gets on stage at her first appearance in this competition. And uh, through the conversation, she reveals, uh, with the conversation with the judges, she reveals that, that she, she has stage four cancer. And, um, you know, it's, you know, her diagnosis, her prognosis wasn't very positive, very, very optimistic. And, um, she sings her song, it's beautiful. And the, the judges, you know, they ask her, you know, how, how, where do you get your strength? Where do you get your resilience? And she says, you don't have to wait for life to be easy to be happy. You don't have to wait for life to be easy to be happy. And that's really um, extraordinary, you know, that, that here, you know, and she became a, a soldier uh, of that phrase. <laughs> At least that's how I, I began to see her. So talking about joy and cultivating joy in turbulent times. Now, the whole world has been going through some turbulent times in the past two and a half years. And a lot of uh, psychologists and neuroscientists are estimating uh, a very high level of post-traumatic stress as COVID begins to wind down. Uh, there's also um, equal concern around trauma uh, with the current war that's happening in, in Ukraine and, and Russia. Not to mention all of the political divisiveness, the polarization uh, that we see the election today in France, uh, the division uh, in America that's gotten so, so deep. All of these uh, stressors um, really can take a toll on the human nervous system. Our nervous system isn't really designed to take that constant hum of tension, of stress. The human nervous system, like many other animals' nervous system, our nervous system is designed for quick bursts of fight, flight, or freeze. We're designed to you know, scan the horizon, we see some danger, we assess that danger. Can we fight? No. Can we run? Yes, we either run or we, or we freeze. And then, you know, after we're out of danger, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes later, the human nervous system can then metabolize the hormones that get released as a result of the fight, flight, or freeze response. But as a result of this constant hum of stress, of tension with COVID, with the war, with uh, inflation prices and so forth, I don't need to get into all of it now. Uh, with that constant hum, it's been quite challenging for many, many people to metabolize the hormones that get released into the body. The energy of 
fight, flight, or freeze that get released into the nervous system. And because this has become so challenging over the months, the years that have passed, our window of tolerance is getting smaller and smaller. And this is why you see, you know, on the news, people are on airplanes fighting with each other. And, and the, the instances of gun violence has grown tremendous uh, in America and other places in the world. Our, our ability to cope with the everyday stressors has become limited because we don't have the opportunity to metabolize the stress, the tension, uh, that has become our new baseline, essentially. So that's kind of where we are, or at least that's the lens that I'm seeing all of this through, and, and I'm not alone. Many, many neuroscientists and psychologists have kind of backed this with many studies. So joy can be a really great resource. It's good for us. These practices of joy, meditating on joy, cultivating a space for joy in our life, provides us with a, a stability and a ground so that we are, when we are faced with challenges, we can actually meet those challenges, whoops, <laughs> meet those challenges with more graciousness, with more, with more of a window of tolerance that we can hold what's arising without falling into reactive patterns of yelling, kicking, punching, screaming, shouting, or even perhaps worse sometimes, choking it back into our body and making ourselves ill. So joy, the practices of joy, give us this spaciousness of heart so that we can indeed meet what's arising, so that we can hold space for that trembling of the heart when our heart is faced with challenges and so forth. And so it might seem kind of counterintuitive, right? Well, what's so challenging about joy, right? Well, essentially, I've kind of hit on one of those challenges now is we kind of have this mentality that, you know, oh, things are too challenging right now. I have got to focus on, you know, fixing this problem before I can feel into any kind of gratitude or joy in my life and so forth. So we might have that mindset. So first, you know, acknowledging that these practices of joy actually allow us to be more effective when we do move into those situations and problems that might be confronting us. So a little bit about one of the meditations that we'll be exploring on the course. Hi, Sarah, thank you, thank, thanks for, for signing in. Nice to see you as always, and, and everyone else who's here. Uh, so, one of the meditations I'll be offering on the course in detail is the gratitude meditation that we, we open today's talk with. I'm also going to be offering a practice while we meditate, and in the silence of meditation, we offer ourselves. Uh, 
uh, phrases of joy. Now this comes from the, the early Theravada Buddhist tradition, uh, where phrases of joy are, are welcomed into the heart. And then the practitioner is invited to visualize or imagine what their life would look and feel like if each phrase was completely reflective of their life circumstance. And so I thought I would just talk us through these phrases here uh, to kind of give an idea. We won't do an actual full meditation on this today, but I'll just talk us through the phrases. I'll give some silence in between each phrase to allow uh, the people who are watching to, to really feel each phrase. And imagine, wow, what would my life be like if I was really able to do that, if I was really able to allow my life to unfold in this way. And so a natural part of this practice is the resistances that come up towards each phrase. And so I like to mention that because very often when people are doing meditation practice and they feel a resistance, oftentimes it's interpreted as, oh, I'm doing something wrong or this practice isn't working for me. So actually the resistance is part of the benefit of the practice. We want to get to know the ways that we block ourselves from the gifts of joy. We want to get to know those resistances because those resistances are how we resist the experiences of joy in our everyday life. And so when we take the time to, to really slow everything down, offer joy to our heart, feel that tension, feel the resistance, then when we're out in our everyday life and maybe somebody offers us a compliment or we see a beautiful sunset or we're playing with our cat or dog uh, and we you know these are all activities that we know we enjoy but for some reason we're not connecting with that experience of joy very deeply so this practice will show us that resistance and how we can let that resistance go and be more connected, more present to the, really to the abundance of joy that's always there. It's always there. But our heart habitually uh, closes down to it for any number of reasons. So holding the resistances in awareness Oftentimes when I, when I give a whole class on this, I'll give the example of the, our resistance being like a closed fist. And that resistance is smart, it's intelligent, it's logical. It was created uh, to keep us safe and protected. But we don't need it any longer. Most of those resistances come from the past. So they keep us, they inhibit us from meeting the present moment experience of joy. And so we can acknowledge that, yeah, great. Thank you, resistance, for keeping me safe. It's really lovely that you're here. And really, if you can see my hands, holding the closed fist of resistance 
with the open hand of compassion. So not trying to push through the resistance or peel it back or open it or parse it apart in any way or figure it out. But just holding it with warmth, with kindness, with compassion, really becoming intimate with how we resist our experiences of joy. Okay. So here are the phrases. And again, I'll just leave a little space. We're not doing a meditation here. Just an opportunity to feel into each phrase. May I enjoy the activities of life itself. And if you wish, you could put a hand over your heart just to really support that, the phrase landing. May I enjoy things just as they are. May I experience the world taking joy in all that I do. May I know what to do, whatever arises. And so those are the phrases of joy that over the eight week course, we'll spend the whole eight weeks uh, I'll introduce these phrases just like I did here, but in much more detail uh, on the opening session of that eight-week program. And we do, you know, check in with them throughout the course as a way of um, you know, seeing how these uh, phrases are, are bringing our resistances up or allowing us to really connect in a deeper way to our experiences of joy. So they make a great tool great um, accessory to our exploration of joy. Now, as we were going through those phrases, you may have felt some resistance already. That's quite common, especially the, the phrase, I find this one to be very juicy. Uh, May I experience the world taking joy in all that I do. That, that can be a really, a really a juicy practice, just contemplating that and what what would life be like? How would my life unfold if I was to really experience the world celebrating everything I do? Or, you know, we could really take that type of exploration to all of the phrases. Uh, may I enjoy things just as they are? Well, what does, what's the implication of that? May I enjoy things just as they are? How, how challenging is that? I mean, we often, I don't know about you all, but for me, I often find myself in a situation where, you know, I go to the movies and, oh, 
this would be perfect if those people were, weren't sitting there in front of me and now I can't see the screen very well. Or this would be perfect if this chair was just a few inches wider so I could really get comfortable. Or, you know, this popcorn would be perfect if it was just a little less salt or a little more butter or whatever it is. You know, kind of the, the habit of the mind is to want to tweak everything so that things are quote unquote perfect. Remember, we don't have to wait for life to be perfect to be happy. So we can really start to use these phrases to see how our habitual tendencies tend to fence us off from this experience of joy that is very often close at hand. Not always, sometimes we are, you know, in a challenging situation where, where things are, you know, there is struggle, there is suffering, there is pain. Again, this isn't a type of toxic positivity, but it's a way of practicing, a way of being in the world that allows us to experience those challenges, that painful situation with more resilience and more care, more spaciousness of heart. So I just wanna finish up here with a quick poem. This is from the great poet, Mary Oliver. Don't hesitate. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind and much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is a way of fighting back, that sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you'll notice it in the instant where love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. For joy, for joy was not made to be a crumb. Anyway, don't be afraid of its plenty. For joy was not made to be a crumb. So I think that's all I have to say today. And if you've been following me regularly, um, you know I like to do these once a week leading up to the retreat. Uh, that won't be possible this time. I'm actually going on a retreat as a participant, a silent retreat, the first week of May. That takes me to May 8th, then I'm going to Bangkok for a few days, and then I'm flying out uh, to Portugal, again, to join uh, the New Life Foundation where I'll be teaching mindfulness and meditation for, for two months over the summer. 
So I'm not sure when I'll be back. I'll try to do one more Facebook Live. It'll probably be on Thursday or Friday this week. We'll see how life unfolds. Anyway, thank you all for being here with me today. And I hope to see you all on the retreat. Uh, please do feel free to reach out. There's, I think, four or five more seats left on the retreat. And if you have any questions about the program, uh, please visit my website, suchsweetthunder.org, or just email me or message me directly uh, through yahoo.com, chrisluard at yahoo, or message me here on Messenger. Okay, have a great morning, afternoon, evening, or night, and I'll see you all next time. Thank you.